What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight. We are coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend to debrief in an effort to send biblical truth into your week. What better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm one of your hosts, Caleb Pearson. Uh, joining me is uh, the Quad Squad, all four of us, and I'm going to come your way first. Oh. Senior Pastor Mark Carey. <laughs> I realize I've never come to you first. It's no, always been at the end. The first show be ha- have you taken that disrespectfully? The, 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 save me? the best yeah. for last. No. Save the best for last. Yeah. You go to the host first and then the guest, but he's you're so much more than a guest to us. Thank you. You're a brother. A brother in Christ. A brother. I thought, the, I thought you were going to say a grandfather. Of the group. Uh, you're, I love you, granddad. Uh, you've heard yeah. her already. She's back. Alicia Battaglia. Alicia, how are you? I'm well. Today Good. is a rainy day. Super rainy. That's mm-hmm. okay, though. I think we yeah. need it. A bunch yeah, of people we were saying on Facebook, like, bring the rain. We need the rain. I, do. I, I don't own enough land to know whether or not we need rain. But we need rain. We, we This year, we planted a bunch of new bushes and like That's ornamental right. grasses and things like that. So wow. anytime it rains, I'm grateful. It's good. Fall is upon us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can hear him, but you can't see him just the way you ordered. Just as good. Mark Francis. Perfect, Mark. How Love you it. doing, man? I'm doing awesome. Good. Good to see you. Uh, we're back, back in action. Let's jump into a Sunday in review here on Sermon Spotlight, diving into Romans 7, 1 through 6 this past weekend. Uh, initial thoughts on, on the weekend and everything we had a chance to, to hear about. And then, Pastor Mark, I'll come your way to see if there was anything you, you wish you had time to elaborate on as far as the sermon is concerned or all that good stuff. So, uh, Mark, I'll come your way yes, first. Sir. Where are you at? I, I, I love the sermon, and, and we don't normally just blow smoke to blow smoke for Mark. But I got to say, I mean, having another review and having another big chunk of the beginning part of the sermon be so clear to get us to the passage that we're going to unpack was super helpful. And even again, we talk about our community group, and that was the voice of our community group last night, was that is probably one of the more most clear and well-articulated recaps to get us to that point um, that we've heard. And so to be able to, to hear Romans um, be uh, reviewed with the gospel so clear of bringing us this point of where are we in Romans mm-hmm. 7 and, and why do we care um, mm-hmm. was, was super helpful. I'll tell you, the graphics and the, the presentation of seeing what being in Christ looked like on a, on a line and then the line below that, what does it look like to be in Adam, was immensely helpful. So thank you for those yeah. graphics, you know, as... <laughs> As clunky as sometimes graphics can be, it just seeing it visually is super helpful. Graphics so if you didn't see that, right, go back it online because yeah. it is there. Mm-hmm. And, and I know Alicia, you were at FSAT. We, yeah, we so were I at heard FSAT. story. Yeah, you know, it was the, good. The Saturday Night Crowd still got some visuals. We did. Right? Yeah, the Shenandoah folks. They, uh, Pastor Mark called some folks from the Shenandoah Church Plan up, and they held big pieces of paper that had the words on it. So, but it was great because we could visually see the the that 30, 35,000 overview of a Christian's journey and a non-Christian's journey. And bringing you to to kind of the two different judgment seats, even the, you didn't really have to mm-hmm. unpack that, but it puts it into perspective and visually seeing that and understanding, you know, the two camps of people that exist in the world. And you can say it a lot of different ways, and we hear it a lot of different ways. You know, there's two kinds of people. There's, you know, in, in Christ or in Adam or, you know, believer, non-believer, however you put that. It's truth. It's real. And, and so to see that and how that flows and then to finally say Romans 6, 7, and 8 fits right in this box, and this is where we are, um, was just a good review, super helpful. But again, for any 
kind of person, you know, whether you're a believer, whether you're a new baby Christian, or whether you're a mature Christian for 50 years, having that recap and, is valuable. And somebody visiting. And because, somebody, yeah. so, so Hannah's grandma, my fiance's grandma, was in town coming to the church for the first time. Uh, and so Hannah's mom was kind of prepping her. Okay, we're, we're going through Romans. It's going to be hectic. It's going to be crazy. Here's where we're at. Here's where we're headed. You know, what we, what we kind of talk yeah. about. Um, and explained to her, I mean, we have podcasts to help unpack it further. It's going to be all this, 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 this. And then she's sitting there, I mean, talking to her after the service just was just so funny because she was like, I, I was right with, with the pastor the whole time. She said, that 30,000 foot view in the recap was just what I needed. And I was like, I figured. That's great. Because it really does. It, it sets the it sets the tone. It, it makes it easier to digest. And it's funny. Hannah's mom was telling me a story. She had a peer who... Um, Awana type program of some sort, but pick pick a scripture and memorize it, and then rehearse it, recite it, and you get you know an award or whatever. And they, somebody picked Romans seven, and if you just pick that and just recite it to to recite it, it's a pretty depressed. Why would you pick that one? Uh, and so to have it, you know, why Romans seven? Because six and to lead to eight is yeah. I think that's huge. I'll to your point. make sure I don't drop my. Sermon in the mail subscription then. (laughs) (laughs) But obviously, I mean, you talk about this a lot, Mark. I mean, you can't recap like that every week. And and it's challenging to fit it into 35 minutes. But however we can do, you know, not even recaps, but just to be able to to set the tone. And you have a good pulse of where our congregation is. You know, the wide range of audiences and people who are listening. That is just just it's valuable. It's helpful to be able to to place us where are we mm. going to be with this passage, you know, leading us to verse four, for example, of what does it look like to to produce fruit. And, and to me, that was one of my bigger takeaways was getting to that place to where we we're able to then read verses seven or mm. chapter seven, verses one through four. See the little analogy that Paul gives us about marriage, but then get us to the place where we are, are called to produce fruit. And it's a positive spin. It's, mm-hmm. it's a way to, to, to set us up to the, like, you know, we're talking about being entrenched in sin and, you know, being, you know, ensnared in sin and being a slave to sin. But here Paul is saying, no, you're, you're under grace. So then you can produce fruit, which is a great end cap to the sermon. So um, in light of the whole recapping situation, we had a, a listener wrote in with a question. Okay, that was me. <laughs> so all you listeners, if you have questions, please write in. Um, but with with all of the recapping, we've talked about Abraham and how his faith was counted as righteous and um, the how believers of the Old Testament, um, they looked forward to that future promise fulfilled and as as new testament readers and believers we look back and see that promise fulfilled in christ and so there's the old covenant and the new covenant which you hit the new covenant pretty solidly in the sermon so can you maybe unfold a little bit more and talk about how old testament Believers, those who had faith, appropriated um, appropriated that faith versus how we in the new covenant appropriate our faith. Yeah, and that I mean that is the, Mark. When you're saying, what are some things that if I would have had another half hour, <laughs> right. could have, and and that's one of them. In fact, I had someone else come up 
uh, after the Saturday service and asked that very question. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, yeah. it's, it's um, yeah, it was spinning in my question. head. And yeah. I was like, I would like to talk a little bit more about that because we've talked a lot about being in Adam mm-hmm. and in Christ. And then you talked about the new covenant. But I'd like to go back and talk a little bit about the old covenant in yeah. light of the new covenant now. Well, and you, you, we certainly are at an advantage uh, this side of the cross because we can, as we share our faith, uh, we can point people to a work that has been completed. Mm. It's 2,000 year old history. We can talk to about a, the historical fact of uh, the cross work of Christ and an empty tomb. We, that's it's historical fact. Um, but what did David do? What did you know Isaiah do? What did mm. they they didn't have that? They were looking right. ahead. Mm. So you know the question probably is so how did people um, wh- how did people get saved in the mm-hmm. Old Testament and yeah. and how did that that come about? Um, and of course. Um, the 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 Old Testament is the story of promise. So the very first gospel message is back in Genesis three, uh, after the fall of sin and God comes and there's the curses, but there's that that insertion of, of hope and promise in chapter three verse fifteen um, that um, there's a coming one a coming uh, he uh, a, 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 a redeemer a redeemer uh, that is going to come from the uh, from the woman who will crush the head of the serpent and um, though he will be um, he will be um, wounded himself mm-hmm. but he will ultimately be the head crusher mm-hmm. um, so there, there's a sense of promise there that's it's not very detailed but it's like all right God has this. God, God's got something going on. The very, you know, opening pages of the scripture. In fact, the very next verse, or in, in uh, chapter four, uh, Adam uh, had relations with his wife Eve and conceived and gave birth to their son Cain. And that's right immediately. She said, "I have gotten the man child, the Lord." Hmm. Well, she was off, <laughs> but because <laughs> right. uh, Cain killed his brother Abel, but there was this that that idea of promise and hope. And expectation. And faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she believed that. You go through the Old Testament and you see that revelation of himself. He comes to a a pagan worshiper of the moon god in uh, uh, the the land of ancient Babylon, the Chaldeans. The name was Abram, Abraham. Calls him out of the land of of Ur, the Chaldees, and said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And, And Abraham left his family he went he followed the lord and god said look at the stars of the heaven so shall your descendants be and genesis chapter 15 verse 6 what did abraham do well he didn't he he was he and his wife sarah were childless but he believed god and it says and by that faith um God reckoned it to him as righteousness. Now he didn't understand everything about the coming Messiah and the, the, the you know Jesus Christ didn't have a picture. There was no movie screen about oh that's how it all unfolds and you know a, a, a Messiah on the cross bearing our sins and rising again from the dead. But there was always this sense of God has spoken. And will I believe it or not? And to, when when people believed God, His character, what He was saying to them in that. In that time, in that moment, it, the the revelation may have been different. 
It was different for Adam and Eve. It was a little different from Abraham. But it was progressively being on, uh, on revealed, progressive revelation revealed down through the centuries. To the degree that people believed God, it was reckoned to them as righteousness. God, uh, their, their salvation occurred. Um, God set up the whole Old Testament uh, sacrificial system. Um, and part of that was to point people to something better is coming, something better is coming. And so as a worshiper would come, take their animal and slice his throat and give the goat or the, 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 the lamb to the priest who would then burn it. If it was offered in faith, I, uh, you know, this is not going to save me, but something's coming and God told me to do this. So as faith was um, uh, applied salvation came so the faith was always the necessary condition for salvation and, and you mentioned that phrase credited to them as righteousness and, and that was That's kind of a justification a, a, term. there's the justification mm -hmm. in that phrase in romans is it cannot necessarily credit to them as righteousness but being slaves to righteousness there's that kind of similarity that you would think and hope that maybe people who had studied and understood that kind of concept that there's this similar train of thought that there's this new covenant there's this new concept that we're now being credited righteousness because of what christ has done for us and and nothing else and right so there's and, that concept and again the 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 condition was always faith but the object of faith wasn't necessarily always clear of what was coming Two thousand sure. years later, right. but the object of faith was always the one true God. What God has spoken to me, right. faith in Him, right? Belief which in which him. shows this beautiful picture of this amazing God who's continuing to pursue this people, who, this rebellious people who basically make themselves deities, you know, in their own idols. But He again comes, and and they do suffer consequences again and again and again. But He He doesn't stop pursuing. He doesn't stop being their rescuer and providing a way of salvation. And even He 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 pursued them so much that He dwelt with them and and through the cloud in the wilderness in the, in the and in the tabernacle the and in the temple and stuff and yeah in the holy of holies and so his presence was with them it's not like he was distant from them no and that was the blessing of being a part of an israelite right. uh, part of israel being part of israel didn't automatically get you a ticket to heaven mm -hmm. but it sure gave you the means by which you could opportunity yeah. you saw that and so um Again, the condition was faith as the, the individual person would trust God. Um, the object of faith was the revelation of what God was, how God was revealing himself. Mm -hmm. Now, the basis, though, of that Old Testament salvation still comes back down to the cross. Mm -hmm. So uh, if Jesus yeah. Christ had not followed through and not died on the cross, all those people in the Old Testament, Abraham, David, all of them, would be in hell right now. I think it's interesting that at the Mountain of Transfiguration, in the recording the New Testament, there's two people that show up on the Mountain of Transfiguration with Jesus. It's Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets, the representative. And they're talking about the things that says that Jesus is about to undergo when he goes to Jerusalem. Why would they be talking about that? Because they had a vested interest. Yeah, they need a stake in it. I don't know if they were trying. They weren't. I'm sure they're so, convincing Jesus to follow through with it because they knew they knew he would. Please. But, but uh, if Christ had not followed through, Moses and Elijah, 
they're out of there. They're, so is, is that where a breakdown happens then as far as people believing different things about the Old Testament law versus the, oh, no, they, they weren't still relying on, on Christ and the cross. I feel like there's so many different ways people interpret the Old Testament or even weigh it now in, in all these different religions. and Everything pointed towards the promise, mm-hmm. the coming promise. To the degree that people understood that, That's great. Is, is it, it varied. Mm-hmm. But God, whatever, however God revealed himself, there was, yes, I, I believe great. you, God. I, whatever, God, I trust you. And you've got something going on because we're sinners. And God would reckon that as righteousness to them. Mm-hmm. Yet it all hinged. The, the basis was always Christ's death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Which is when you talked about in Hebrews, which I was so excited mm-hmm. about, what, starting in verse 6. but as, Chapter 8. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Hebrews 8. Um, but. As it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent, which I love that word, than the old, as the covenant he mediates is, is better. It's better since he enacted on the better promises. So he's, he's made a better covenant, a better promise yeah. that is for us. And um, he's, he's the one that's perfected it. Yeah. And, um, so that was really cool. Chapter 10, if you go to two more chapters in chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 1, he says, For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come, not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Um, but he goes on. But in those sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins year by year, for it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So he comes down and explains, well, that's why Jesus came. And so, I love that. How many people, I mean, they, they would place their hope in the blood of bulls and goats. God prescribed that. But the understanding of religion, Christ fits with that. And the heart behind the hand, yeah. the, the belief behind the behavior, why you're doing what you're doing in, the, in those moments. And yeah. is it not dictates. the same today? Right. Religion. Oh, I'm is. going to church. I'm going through these mm-hmm. rituals. David, when he sinned with, against Bathsheba. You know, what he, he broke five, six, seven of the Ten Commandments in that one act. And in uh, Psalm 51, he says, um, of course, he says, against thee and thee only have I, have, I, have I sinned. But then he says, I think in verse 16, he says, sacrifice and offerings thou hast not mm-hmm. required, mm-hmm. Right. but a broken and contrite. Yeah. Why, why did he say that? Sacrifices and offerings thou, thou, are going to be meaningless. Because something else, a little known fact, it seems like oftentimes in the Old Testament and the law, Numbers 15 talks about the sacrifices were only efficacious for sins that were committed unknowingly, hmm. in ignorance, it's called, hmm. unwittingly. Interesting. Oh, oh, that, oh, man, I, I sinned. Well, I better go take the sacrifice. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> Any sin that was done knowingly, there was no sacrifice for that. Hmm. Numbers 15 talks about that. So when David said, sacrifice and offering, that was required, he's speaking truth because there was no sacrifice. He knowingly committed that sin. Hmm. There was nothing. What did he have to do? Cast himself on the gracious mercy of God yeah. in faith. And so well, all and throughout Christ, that. Christ didn't abolish the law, but he perfectly fulfilled it. Like he's, 
only he can do that. And that's where we come back to Romans, where we are, we have fallen short. There is no way that we can measure up. There are no, I mean, we, we could kill every animal and that's not going to be able to pay for our sin, but the blood of Christ is sufficient. That's right. His blood is enough. And he is the only one who can completely fulfill the law in its fullest. I think think we're going to get into that. I'm going to review that passage this coming week a little bit. Romans chapter three, where he says in verse 19, now what are the law says? It speaks to those under the law that every mouth may be closed and all the world becomes accountable because by works of the law, no flesh is justified. But now apart from works of the law, and he goes on to explain what Christ did, having been justified as a gift, verse 24, through his grace, through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood, a demonstration of his righteousness, because, and then this phrase, in the forbearance of God, he had passed over sins previously committed. So what does that mean? Well, it means those sins, the sins of Adam and Eve and Isaiah and Mm. Noah and everybody, they were not taken away. Mm. It's almost as if they were stuck under, you know, I don't know how you do, you clean your room. Like a covering, right? You you, sweep it under, it's there, it's covered. Yeah. (laughs) But they weren't taken away, said the writer of the book of Hebrews. Yeah. Mm. And um, so, yeah, Christ came, perfectly fulfilled the law. And um, and so we can say then in verse 28, for we maintain that now a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Um, for he's now the God, he's the God of both the Gentiles and the Jews. And then verse 31, do we nullify the law? No. On the contrary, we have established it. It is truthful. And we'll talk about this next Sunday, mm-hmm. but it's it is true. It points to the righteousness of God and Jesus fully met it. But if That's so he great. hadn't come, and if he hadn't mm. done that, all mm. the Old Testament mm. people, their sins would have been under that covering, but that covering no would have remedy. been thrown yep. back open. There sure. they were. Right. And let me tell you, I mean, for those of us listening and who have been to Israel mm. and to be at the temple and to to understand the Jewish culture of that time and then the time and place that Jesus came into history at the height and pinnacle of all of this sacrificial system stuff that was going on and the religious aspect of it and how angry he got and turned over the money changers and what that meant. Just the temple itself, I mean, it's not there now, but it was this picture of just audacious, just religiosity at the time and the sacrifice systems that the Pharisees would make having people go through and Jesus came and say, no, this is not, this is not what it is. And they were proud in their system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just as we can be proud or put our trust in our system. Whatever system we build. And, and I like the way you mentioned what it must've been like for them to hear Jesus say the new covenant for us. We read it and we're like, okay, cool. New covenant, right? If, if, if I've been reading the new Testament at a decent rate of speed, it's not that new to me. It's like, oh, there it is. But for them, the years of waiting, the mm-hmm. angst and the, wait a second, Jesus is blabbering things that they've been talking about for hundreds of years. I think that's crazy. And I'm glad we went to Hebrews and Jeremiah a little bit this past Sunday in the service. But Hebrews 1 through 3, the ESV, I love the way the ESV um, has headings for each of those chapters. is The supremacy of God's Son, mm-hmm. and then warning against neglecting salvation. And then Hebrews chapter 3, just says, Jesus, comma, greater than Moses. And I just love the way Hebrews does a great job of validating everything we're saying about what that new covenant did for the old covenant. Yeah, and if you stick with Hebrews a little bit, you have to realize that the people he's writing to, 
they were they were born again believers, but right. Jewish believe that out of Judaism, but they were now being persecuted to fall back under that system because they're being persecuted by by Jewish people. So it was like, well, and so he writes this letter. So whoa, wait a minute. Jesus is better than Moses. Mm-hmm. He's better than Joshua. He's better, and it goes through all mm-hmm. those better. So don't um, throw off mm-hmm. this yeah. this hope that you have because mm-hmm. there's no one better mm-hmm. than Jesus. Mm-hmm. So run the race with endurance. Fix your eyes on Him because He's the author and finisher of our faith. And it's initially offensive. Jesus is greater than Moses. Yeah. Yeah, but it, this is is in your best interest, right? The gospel offends, but it's for good reason. Yeah, and we miss that in in our oh, current oh, culture. Today. Definitely. Hey, do. the first Christian right. martyr was a young man by the name of Stephen. Mm-hmm. Why was he martyred? Because he he saw he began he was I think more than Peter, James, and John began to understand. Wait a minute. There's something different that the old mm. system is gone, right. and it says, and they trumped up charges against him that he speaks against the, the this temple and and the sacrifice and Moses. Yeah. Well, he sort of was when he was saying, "Hey, there's something new," and they couldn't handle it. They stoned him to death. And my question was always, "Well, where was Peter, James, and John? They were back some hold up someplace, <laughs> yeah. still trying to figure this out themselves." Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I so verse six is. Um, of where are we uh, now? Oh, I'm back sorry. To back Romans. to Romans. Sorry. I'm no, flipping you're good. my Bible. You're good. You're good. <laughs> uh, back, yeah, 7, verse 6. Mm-hmm. But now we are released from the law, mm-hmm. having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve not under the old written code, but in the new life of the Spirit. And so I'm just, I'm seeing this image now, and Mark, you're talking about the, the temple, and we're talking about all the different mm images in that way and that it just blows my mind now that because of what the review that we did now we're completely in christ and everything that uh, happened to christ happened to us as us everything that is of christ is for us and where did he choose to put his spirit in mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. and so that we what mm-hmm. that is so just that- so that we Crazy. sit, is it so that we sit on the back pew once a week and realize, no. oh, we're died to what held us captive? So that we serve, so that yeah. we, we, so so we, we bear, bear fruit, fruit. Oh, yeah. yes. which yeah. in singular word is love, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is all demonstrated by the fruits of the spirit, joy, which peace, patience. Which is the fulfillment patience. of the law. Sure. Love yeah. God, love others. And I love the you point of the sermon. You were listening to the sermon. Hey, you know, <laughs> just because I'm not on camera doesn't mean that I wasn't there. You know, the, I love the part in the sermon also where you, you call us to action where this is, hey, what does this really mean, people? When we're driving down the road and you get angry at the car that cuts you off, when you're, you know, trying to figure out how to make ends meet financially, when you're, you know, get that call from the doctor, whatever is going on, are we really just constantly contemplating am i under law or under grace or am i walking the spirit or walking flesh no we're not always really consciously thinking about that but i love still when when we are seeking god's will and in his word and looking to okay how do you call us to live the natural fruits of the spirit are going to be flowing from us and we're not thinking about it and i love that because you know Sometimes you can't get caught up in hearing sermons like this or digging into Romans and, man, where am I? Am I in the flesh? Or am I in the spirit? Am I producing fruit? Or am I producing bad fruit? You can kind of get caught up that as a Christian. Mm. And, and one person in our community group last night 
get a great analogy of, you know, you're just driving down the road and the analogy of you're constantly looking in your mirror, you're looking around, seeing what's going on around you, you know, being a defensive driver and you put on your blinker and you just move into the left lane. Well, you, you know that you can instinctively go into the left lane because you're constantly looking around you and you, you, you have that sense. And so walking in the spirit is you're constantly in God's word. You're constantly seeking God's will. And when you make a snap decision to, is it right or wrong in the course of life? You don't have to think, oh, is this the right thing to do? It's just this natural instinctive analogy to just put on the signal and go to left turn because you're constantly aware of what's yeah. happening around you. And you're stealing the thunder of Paul in Romans 8. <laughs> wait, there. Wait, wait, way to go. There. Way to go. Setting Absolutely. our minds yeah. on things the above. Spirit. And That's it, right. it makes That's... the spiritual more concrete because, and, and Mark said this on the podcast almost a year ago now, we're coming up on our 50th episode of Sermon Spotlight, Ooh. by the Ooh. way. Nice. Uh, what Mark said is uh, our culture, our society today is more spiritual than it's ever been, but less religious than it's ever been. This mm-hmm. this mystic, spiritual desire for something that must be, I'm gonna go my way, here's my truth, here's my life. No, it's, to live spiritually is to get to that point where you're, you're defensive driving, you're using your, 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 the, your knowledge, right? Yep. The saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and how we can do that. And it's so easy to let, let things supersede who I am in Christ. You're not if I'm constantly having down to the road, think or worry about one right. decision after the next and it, you're, you're seeking the heart of God in your everyday life, mm-hmm. you're in his word, you're then naturally applying it and okay. the fruits of spirit so are just coming I, out. I just want to say that, so I, my children are growing older now, but there was a time when I had five little people mm. under my feet all the time. So you stomped on them? I did. <laughs> Sometimes I did. <laughs> so life was busy, very mm. hands-on. You have no... Um, no time to yourself whatsoever. There's not a whole lot of time for your own self-care and that sort of thing. Um, And so there are these little nuggets of like, okay, I have my Bible here. So in the middle of nursing a baby and reading, you know, those little things, those are the little nuggets you have to grab. Hmm. But you you said in your sermon um, to... Um, go out and do the next right thing. And Elizabeth Elliot has a, something along the same li- lines is do the next thing. Trust God and do the mm-hmm. next thing. And mm-hmm. those words rung in my ear as a mom with small children over and over again. And it was simple, but I could cling to it. And I mm-hmm. knew, and I still know because life's still crazy, that God is with me and He sees me and He's given me grace to do the next thing. I don't have to worry about everything in the whole wide world and all the issues, but I can be faithful to do what he's called me to do, which is the next thing. Um, mm, that's so that's the, that's the newness of the spirit. Yes, it and, is. And, and not the oldness of the, of the letter. And that's what, again, I think we, we, we have to keep swimming in that, keep rehearsing this good news of the gospel to ourselves. Um, to, because we can get so caught up in the bad news or the daily living to keep coming back to, wait a minute, the new covenant is here. It's, it's mine. It's, he's mm-hmm. within me. I want to just mention one, one, one thing that popped in my mind here uh, five minutes ago. But um, after, the, after Malachi, the Old Testament ends, right? And there's 400 years mm-hmm. where there, the God right. is silent. Yeah. Right. There's no prophet voice speaking. 400 centuries. I mean, four, four centuries, <laughs> right, 400 right, right. years, and it's silent. 
And mm. can Which you imagine? Which was the same time that the Egyptians the, were, they were enslaved the, to the, the Egyptians. Is, that's right. Yeah. And so you're like, where is God and what is going on? People went through their daily routine under the oppression of Rome and all this stuff. And that old, I mean, faithful to the, you know, they were still doing these temple things and religion and stuff like that, but the emptiness. And then, and Luke writes about this in chapter one. And I, I, to me, it's, it's so powerful. And it's kind of what I wanted to wrap up with. Uh, but the angel all of a sudden comes to Zacharias, who is the priest. And the angel said, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your, your petition has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. You will give him his name, John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink no wine or liquor. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. And it will be he who will go as the forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. That's Malachi. And the disobedient of the attitude of the righteous so that as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. 400 years of silence. Mm. And all of a sudden, there's an announcement. The forerunner's coming. The coming one. The coming Genesis 3.15. The head crusher. This is the time. And so you're coming in the, on, on the end of that Old Testament period and all the centuries. And then, and now all of a sudden, the new is about to come. How exciting it must have been. And the thrill, the joy, and, the, uh, and, and all that was going on. Well, we're 2,000 years removed from that. But it should be just as joyful, just as exciting for us that we're living on this side of the cross, mm -hmm. yeah. the new covenant era, and that we really can serve in the newness of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And again, when we get mm -hmm. to Romans chapter eight, I think that will, that'll come out more. And, and two practical things to remember with that, because if, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you, you hear what we're saying and what, what these ideas are of how, you know, take that next step or the next right step, but it's still, you're still discouraged. You still don't exactly know how. Um, and this was brought up in my, my community group this past weekend is, uh, first and foremost, especially with everything going on, remember that the devil is God's devil. Uh, no matter how long that leash is in your life, just remember God's holding it. <laughs> uh, God is in control. And the second thing is don't underestimate the, the power and potential of serving, of, of getting plugged in, because it is not about the church, you know, using and abusing you as a saint to make sure other things happen. No, it's, it's us coming together as community, as fellowship. Multiple people in my community group said, life is so busy, so chaotic, but I'm telling you, this will be the last thing we remove from our schedule, this community group, this opportunity to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and just lean on each other in that. It's, it's huge, and, and that's the call. And the we hope. need it in these days. We need I, it. I, I, you know, the world is a mess. I, I, I threw out, I think, of the message in one of the services or uh, maybe all of them, I can't remember. But, you, you know, you look at what's going on in the world today. You, you look at the rioters. You look at the Antifa. You look at these people. And, yeah, you can get so angry at the at what's going on. You can get so angry at at our politicians. Hmm. I mean, the, the whole lot of them, as far as I'm concerned. But they're, they're lost people. Mm -hmm. they, I think They're desperately trying to make sense out of a life that you're not going to make sense out of apart from Christ. Mm -hmm. yep. And being under that control of the evil one, increasingly, they, they even are hating the name of Christ. Mm -hmm. The very one that is the only source of joy and gladness to make sense out of life. 
um, they're hating that very very name, and it's it's heartbreaking what's going on. Doesn't diminish the fact that we need to gather together, we need to encourage one another as long as it's still called today, and we need to penetrate this world with the good news of Jesus. The last thing we need to do is privatize our faith or politicize our faith. Mm-hmm. We need to penetrate this world with our faith mm-hmm. and and stand for, for truth in a dark world. That's well, a great segue because one of the things that we're going to be hopefully hearing from the church over these next several weeks is this call to get more connected, this call to... A, find the group if you're not a part of one. B, get connected and serve and volunteer because there's so many different ways to do that. And we heard that with the testimonies of the 40th anniversary of how back in the the older days of FBC and the small church mentality, everybody just chipped in and did things. We need that even now, today, here in a large church mentality. We need that. Don't let COVID get in the way. Yeah. I mean, the, the call for membership, the call to be baptized. Um, there, there's so many things that are going to be coming up these next several weeks. You're going to find this message of congregational engagement. And what does that really look like? Mm-hmm. So that you're, you're getting connected and fed spiritually and you're plugging in and serving and giving of yourself somewhere else. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities out there in the future. So Caleb, if you're asking mm-hmm. what's next, that's, that's it that's right perfect. there. It's, <laughs> it's the right application. And just amidst, again, amidst all the craziness in the world, don't, don't let the devil's home field advantage be your metric for whether or not God is winning. Second um, Corinthians right. three, uh, verse six, uh, talks about being ministers of a new covenant. Mm-hmm. And so that's our that's our job right now. Like we have this privilege that is empowered by the Holy Spirit to be able to minister this new covenant that we've been just, given. Yep. God is bigger. I'm telling you. I, I, I was at uh, Franklin Graham's prayer march. This oh, did weekend. you go? I went. Hey, yeah. Shout out to a whole bunch of other FBCers who were there. Yeah, yep. it was a blast. Uh, over sixty thousand there, and that's only the confirmed email and voucher. Not to mention people mm. just joining. Oh, wow. uh, and I will just say, there's God is moving. Um, and, and there was a group of protesters, a certain political movement I won't address, but there's about 100 protesters, five news cameras around them, very clearly framed to get the prayer march numbers in the background of this protest. But the, the people there for this prayer march ended up surrounding this protest and praying over it. And there were, I mean, it felt like hundreds of thousands of people all mm. gathered for one name, the name of Jesus, on our national mall. And the, the media mm. was doing yes. everything in its power to distract mm. you from that. So I hope that's an encouragement Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, you know, the devil's using all those tools to make you feel like he's winning. He's not. Uh, and one, one very good way to remember that is to get plugged in, be aware, surround yourself with Christians. Uh, thank you guys for being here. As a reminder, you can find us on podcast services all over the place. You hear it every week, but if you have yet to visit it, fbcva.life, you can find all the good stuff, how to get plugged in, resources, uh, past worship service, sermon notes, all that good stuff. We look forward to seeing you guys. Thank you so much for being a part of our week as we are a part of yours. Uh, The fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons are not meant to take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love and God bless.